No more staying in your own head about thought-provoking topics. Read along with a stress-free book club that fits into a busy lifestyle. From out of the pages to real life, explore the fine line between fiction and nonfiction as we pull from bestsellers that will change your life. Tune in to our bi-weekly book club of mind-bending and empowering stories hosted by Nova Lorraine, founder of Rain Magazine, and her two co-hosts, Toby Santagato and Barbara Donato. Welcome to another episode of Tuesday's Book Club. Today, we are reading My Antonia by Willa Cather. I'm Nova Lorraine, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Toby and Barbara. Hi, ladies. Hello, hello. How are you? <laughs> for those of us that are joining us for the first time, Tuesday's Book Club is about being challenged to grow through these stories, these sometimes controversial stories, fiction that may seem like nonfictions, provocative, thought-provoking tales from best-selling authors is what we bring you each and every show on Tuesday's Book Club. So we hope that you end up enjoying this book, or at least the book club, as much as we do. Our next three books, so grab your notes, your pens, your smartphones, however you're going to record this, will be Girl Interrupted by Susanna Kaysen, Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda, and The Richest Man in Babylon by George C. Klassen. So that's the order. And if you ever forget or you lose your notes, just go to pinkkangaroo.com. That's pinkkangaroo with a U. And go to Tuesday's Book Club and you'll see all the books that are coming up and all the ones we've done prior that you can catch up on as well. So ladies, what did you think of My Antonia? I really liked it. it was, I enjoyed it. I like family stories like this. I have to be honest, it was hard to get into. and. I reread the, well, doing the audiobook this time around, and I had to <laughs> reread it two or three, the first couple chapters, two or three times, because it just wasn't sinking in and I wasn't getting in on a rhythm with it. And then when I found a narrator, a different narrator, narrator number three, that's when I started enjoying the book. But I'm going to be honest, it did take me a minute to get into it. I will say this to me, because I also did the audio version. I don't think this is the type of book that where you could really get the most out of it by listening to it. I think this is one of those books where it's more pleasant to read as a good read. I agree. I agree. As I started sort of settling into <laughs> the narration, one of the things that I truly enjoyed was the description of the countryside and this new land that they were in. I mean, this was in a time period where you can literally like, okay, this is mine. I'm going to, well, actually they were still, like they were buying acres from whomever or leasing land, but there was so much land to be had and it was very untouched. I mean, it just sounded like the being one with nature was still very much a possibility in that time period. And it was just what they did. And I absolutely loved how descriptive the author was. Well, it was a blank slate, right? There was literally nothing. It could have been in outer space or it could have been anywhere. And they did a really good job of explaining that, like, as he, the main character, Jim, gets to the new land, you know, with his family, it's just like, as he, you know, his, he moves to his grandparents, it's, it's just barren. He has no idea. And so we get to see not just the land grow up, but the character Jim grow up and Antonia grow up. And that's why it's interesting it's like a parallel. I think it was really neat how he did that. Yeah, I feel like I did feel as if I was in another world as I was reading the book. And I always enjoy authors that are able to really take you out of your current space. You know, like I was so caught up with the high red grasses and <laughs> yes. the snakes. Like I was like, oof, what would I do if I had to go to the garden quarter of a mile away from the house and what did they have like a pitchfork or something or a hoe to make sure that they defend themselves against these five feet rattlesnakes? Like what? Like where are we? Yes. Right now? I heard the way she just, <laughs> her descriptions in the book kind of make you want to close your eyes. Like, and I mean, she really puts you in the novel and I, and I, that was what I really enjoyed about the book, man. And she, I mean, when you, when it was cold, you couldn't tell it was cold. When, yeah. 
you know, when the land was hard to pillage, I don't know how to, well, not pillage, that's a terrible word, but um, when the land was hard to farm, like she really knew that it was hard to like break through the topsoil. Like I, I just loved her descriptions. Yeah, she did a good job with that. Yeah, I really liked it too. I think that, you know, as they, and you know, the characters slowly come in and we're not bombarded, which was kind of nice. You know, a lot of books, it takes you two or three chapters to kind of remember who they are. But we slowly learn about Jim and then we slowly learn about Antonia and her family and then the interactions. And also even then the parallel between the wealthy or at least people that had much more money and the poor. And it was interesting how, you know, Jim's grandparents were wealthy, so to speak, and how they're really, you know, I think I said it last week, there's so many good people and we forget, but like this was a Jim's parent grandparents were so nice. And that's why they became helpful to, what were they from? They were immigrants from... The Bohemians. Yeah, Bohemians. So that wasn't, I think, clearly defined in the very beginning of the book. And from what I remember, I think they were Spanish, like Spain, like from Spain, but I could be wrong. Well, they didn't speak English, though. They really, really didn't speak any English. And that was amazing that they could not speak English. It's kind of like the pilgrims and the Indians. Like, I mean... There's a way to communicate people even without language. And, and we see how they, you know, obviously they learn English, but it's really neat to see people that want to do good for people will find a way whether they can speak the same language or not. So I thought yeah, that was get cool. It done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I, so there was this Bohemian immigrant population, which spoke their language. And when they were describing the people, I was thinking back to the gypsies in Southern Spain. You know, I lived there for, six months or so back in college. And I would describe them as bohemian if I was going to describe them as an American author. In that culture, they were called gypsies. And they were of darker skin and dark hair. And they wore colorful clothes and had a very like playfulness about them and almost a mischievous about them, like a mysteriousness about them as well. And they... I would say they sort of, their lifestyle was very different from the city, like the individuals that lived in the city. Like they had a very traditional, very like rural lifestyle. You know, they lived off the land more so or, but you wouldn't necessarily find them living in a high rise or anything like that, you know, in Madrid or it would probably remind you more of a native culture in a more modern community is what it, so that's what came to mind when I, when they would describe the Bohemians and I wanted to see them, you know, as as the author, she spent a lot of time wanting us to understand how beautiful and smart Antonia was and how unique her skin color was and her hair and her eyes. Like they kept going back to the eyes, the eyes, even with their friend, Lena, like the eyes were a really big part of telling the story of that character. So yeah, those are some of the things that struck me from the book as well. Yeah. I think that it's interesting even now, but certainly as America evolved, my father came over and from Austria and like that nobody spoke English in his circle. Obviously as a young kid, he went out at the age of two, he learned English, but his family never did. And it was similar. The mother stays pretty much broken English her whole life. Antonia's mother. And she's just this kid that's going to, you know, when you meet certain people, they're just from birth born different. They have a strong sense of themselves. And I think what's really cool about the book is the main women in the book all have strong senses of themselves, really from very young. And the author does a really good depth. She defines all of them and their personalities in ways where we can see them as these, who they are. And even as they grow older, we love the transitions, but we're not necessarily super surprised because these, all these women are from a very young age, they are who they are. And I thought that was neat. No, I agree. I do. I enjoy the way with each, not so much burden, but with each obstacle they face, they deal with it head on and they keep it moving. Like they, when Antonia was working with, I mean, it's the Hollings and she wants to go and she's content. She wants to dance. She continues to, to want to just be a young girl. And when she's confronted with either do this or leave my home, she chooses to leave the home. Like during that time, that type of independence 
or at least from what I read in, in history, that's really not usually women tended to listen and stay home, uh, were more docile. And Antonia was the complete opposite. She was very, very independent. She knew what she wanted and she was going to make her own path. And I, I just, I really love that about her. Well, let's set the scene for our listeners. Let's, let's give them a description of the novel by the publisher. No romantic novel ever written in America by man or woman is one half so beautiful as my Antonia. In this symphonically powerful and magnificently observed novel, Willa Cather created one of the most winning heroines in American fiction. A woman whose robust high spirits and calm, undemonstrative strength make her emblematic of the virtues Cather most admired in her country. We first meet Antonia Shimerda as the young daughter of a bohemian immigrant who in time will be driven to suicide by the oceanic loneliness of life on the Nebraska prairie. Through the eyes of Jim Burden, her tutor and disappointed admirer, we follow Antonia from farm to town and through hardships, both natural and human, surviving everything from poverty to a failed romance and not only surviving, but triumphing. In the end, Antonia is exactly what Burden says she is, a woman who had that something which fires the imagination, a woman who could stop one's breath for a moment by a look or a gesture that somehow revealed the meaning in common things. Well, it's just perfectly, <laughs> and, you know, yeah. And you know what, when you were reading that, you know, it struck me, you ever noticed that like, people that hang out together are similar in some, you know, they had their individual personalities. If you think about it, her friends were very similar too, in that they were independent. It's interesting that you, you'll notice that and you'll see, you know, I don't know. It just, when you're reading that, I was thinking all of this, she is the main character, but there's other smaller characters like Lena and Tiny that were strong characters. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really cool. Now, and this was written in 1918. Crazy. Yes. So we're, we're talking early 1900s with the early settlements in the West. And this is Nebraska. No, thanks. <laughs> Even though I'm actually curious now to go visit Nebraska for the I'm first sure time. I'm sure it's beautiful. I'm sure it's beautiful. Just based on how yeah beautiful it sounds from the author's perspective. But yeah, I agree. I think the friends, the three women and Antonia, was it three or two? Is it Tiny, Lena? Yeah, Tiny, yeah, Lena, and, yeah, Antonia, yeah. and Jim. Um, we're all very pioneering. Like they mm -hmm. all did, like they took their lives to the next level. And even though Antonia had that bump in the road that we can go into in, in a little bit, um, we see how much she does triumph, you know, in the end, in a very ironic way. And I love that the author really does a good job with showcasing so many strong women from widows to entrepreneurs to women that decided to stay home, marry, and have lots of children. And to show that variety in lifestyle and how each of these women had their own strength, admirable strength about them. Yeah. And you know what? It shows you that it doesn't matter the outcome. You don't sell yourself short if you stay home and have a bunch of kids. You don't sell yourself short if you don't get married. You sell yourself short when you want something and you don't then do it. So all of them had different successes and different paths. It's interesting that they did all stay friends the entire time, but also completely different lives, but yet a continued strength that they all, they all had, mm -hmm. you know, which is really cool. Like we always think to define each person, like you're so successful. If you're a millionaire, you're successful. If you had this fancy career, you're successful. If you're a working mom, but it's really not that in my opinion, in my opinion, you're successful. If you are who you are, that's and that's what they were. I agree. Like I think about like when Lena talks to, when she sees Jim and she spends time with him, when she talks of Antonia, she doesn't talk of Antonia like in a negative way. When she talks, she, she always has to me like a sense of look at what my friend is doing. Like she's achieving what she's achieving in her own individuality, just like I'm achieving. Even when every time Jim sees Antonia, even though he has a sense of longing, he's still happy for her. You know, he yeah, still sees that. the happiness in her, the contentment. And in that, it makes him happy for her as well. They all are 
appreciative. They see each other's individualities and they see each other's individual achievements as drastically different as they are. And they are happy for them and they're appreciative of it. And I like that. I agree. I think that is true. But I'm going to add a question mark. Do you think out of all of the friends, do you feel that Jim was judgmental between the time period of when he last saw her and when he reunited with her, with Antonia? I think he was shocked. Yeah, I think he was shocked. I think at the end of the day, he's still a man of the early 1900s. He's still part of that culture. So, and he's also still raised, I mean, through his grandparents, a very strong, with strong Protestant values, you know, Christian values. Not to say that Antonia wasn't, but Antonia was definitely a woman of her own. But, um, means, I think he was, but you know, Jim was a romantic. I don't know if you guys picked that up. Yeah, he was. Like, he was just a hopeless romantic. So, yeah, I think he was shocked, but I don't know if we, I think he adapted very quickly. I think had he been somebody else, I think he would have been more judgmental, like angrier. He would have been, you know, more huffy and puffy about it. And what a lesson to learn is when you have these obstacles in your life and then you adapt quickly, then you Mm -hmm. get to reap the benefits. I mean, there's often times where for myself, I'll go to a situation that's really actually pretty disappointing. And then I quickly try to look at the positives in it and adapt. And throughout the story, and I was t- we were talking about this actually before we started recording, when Antonia's father is kills himself, spoiler alert, it's not that they don't completely mourn, but they don't, she doesn't shut down. You know, there's times where she'll say he's, I always know he's here. Well, that's a, a form of adaptation. And you see that the main characters, every time they have a challenge, they adapt. And I think that the people around them then don't feel so, I don't know, like apart from them. Because if you're depressed, you kind of almost, you polarize yourself. But if you adapt, then you bring people in. So I think, I think when he got there and he saw her after all those years, she was missing teeth. I think he had that moment of shock. He was still kind of in love with her, although he knew it wasn't realistic. But I mean, so very quickly, he sees she's okay and she's actually even happy and she sees the children are happy and there's so much love. And it's like such a quick shift. But if he had gotten there and she had missing teeth and she was down in her luck and she was not accepting and happy, I think it would have been a bigger shift for him. Yeah, exactly. And I also, I do think that, I don't know if he was judgmental. Well, I guess it was judgmental. I mean, because he was, I think he was afraid for her. Like, oh no, she's going to be a single mother. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think he was just thinking about again at the, during that time and what it was like to be a woman who uh, had a child out of wedlock in that period and all that came with it. You know what I mean? It wasn't a positive thing back, you know, back then it wasn't, it was definitely more, she would have definitely had a harder time of it, you know, had she had a child in this day and age, you know what I mean? And I think a man that's raised in that time for him and his point of view growing, like I stated before, I think he felt like, oh, how is she going to be Antonia? How is she going to be her true self, the independent woman that he knows with Mm -hmm. this quote unquote misfortune that she has? I don't think he realized that in Antonia's mind, this wasn't a misfortune. I don't think he saw that yet. Yet. Did any of you guys wonder Like if he, cause when that happened, I was thinking to myself, is he going to step up and like literally go there and rescue her? I had all these, (laughs) or was he really upset because he's like, wow, now it's now I'll never be able to shift my life and be with the girl that I've always been in love with. I remember being like, almost like, oh, they're not going to get together because he is old fashioned enough. I thought, well, I wasn't sure. Was he going to rush to her rescue or was it like, wow, this is definitely not going to ever happen for me now. Was there a moment for you guys where you were like, "Uh uh-oh, they're not going to get together? That's a really good question. I mean, I think that he came back home not knowing, right? If I'm not mistaken, that that she, things had fallen apart and she had a child. And I think that he was hoping during his break, now that he has college behind him and he's on this trajectory of becoming a lawyer, he can home and either be happy for her because she made her way out of this very poor situation, you know, her family being poor and she wanting to kind of 
take her family out of that. Like she felt that she was going to be the one to change things around for her mother and her sister and her brothers. And even though he wasn't like completely on board with the person she wanted to marry, I think he halfway thought like, no, that's not going to happen. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to marry her because yeah, I think so. When he was having that conversation and this is after he, you know, he sees her, he knows she has a baby. He, his heart is pounding, I think, because he's and then he confesses his love. And this whole time I'm thinking, oh, I literally thought that he was just, you know, it was like a brother, sister sort of relationship and he admired her. But I'm like, oh my gosh, he truly loves her. And he said, I want you to be, however you can be a part of my life. I want you to be a part of my life. Like sweetheart. I wanted you to be my sweetheart and I want you to be my wife or my mother or my sister. I was just like, <laughs> how much he loved her. He was like, however I can have you in my life, I want you in my life. And I think that was his appeal to her to say, you know, I never told you this before, but I actually love you. And she going back to the point that she made towards the end of the book, why she worked so hard in the farm. Cause I was like, why is she, is it just her personality or why is it? And she said, beyond the fact that she loves being outside and everything else, she couldn't bring herself to letting someone else hurt or be in pain. So she rather do that. And she said to him when he confessed his love that how could that ever happen between us now that you know so many people and you're, what did she say? You're disappointed in me? No, no, no. I've disappointed you so much. Right. And now that you know so many people, how could that ever happen? So she almost dismissed it. Like, nope, nope. You have this trajectory. I'm not going to hold you back. And no, I was thinking like, uh, when you brought that up, I wonder if like her, remember her father and his, he wasn't, you know, a farmer by, you know, by any means. And he was a man about town as well in his old country, in the old country. And I wonder if she saw a little bit of her father in Jim and she saw herself like, this makes me happy being here, being settled, being a f- potential farmer's wife or, f- or working the farm. This makes me happy. And she could see the aimlessness in Jim, the, the yearning for him to want more. I think she could see that in his eyes. You know, we talk about eyes uh, being a, a big factor here. And I think she saw that in him. And I think she felt that if she were to marry him, she would be holding him back and he would develop the same melancholy that her father did. You know, I think she really saved him. But then she married someone that was a city person. So it didn't make even it. I actually don't think that's the case. I don't, I don't think so. I think she, even though they respected each other, I think she thought that he was not necessarily too good for her, but too intelligent for her. Like he was like the book guy and she was the farm girl. And not that he would necessarily even need to, he could have had a law practice there. It's just that there was just like, she didn't look down on it herself, but she also didn't see that intellect that was enough to connect them other than friends. But while you were talking, I was thinking, what about the fact that in the author never, ever tells us about Jim's relationships? Doesn't say he dates, except for when he's hanging out with Lena. I wonder if it's because he loved her so much, he never really connected with anybody else. No, I I do. I think, like, remember, he was talking to that mysterious guy uh, on the train, and the first thing he talked about was my Antonia. I think my Antonia held a place in his heart that he... I don't think he had any other place for anyone else. But isn't it interesting that they never, it's like, it leaves us to wonder. They never bring it up. No relationships are mentioned. But I, I do think, I mean, he was a hopeless romantic. So I, I don't necessarily think that he would have not married. But he didn't have children. At that point, he wasn't married. We know that. At the end of the book, he's not married. Yeah, he, he doesn't have a girlfriend. He doesn't have a wife. He's not engaged. He doesn't have children. So it's interesting. That is true. And this is, you know. And he's much older at this yeah. time. He's much older. So okay, wait, I have a question about that because that, that wasn't my interpretation. So look, thanks. One, I wanted to touch on the fact that I feel, going back to the comment about Antonia's opinion about the intellectual sort of bridge between them or divide, I would disagree. I think the divide was more in terms of their where they were in society. And I feel that... She knew that if Jim decided to take her as his wife, as this poor farm girl with a baby, then his trajectory in his life would be stumped based on that culture, based on, now here he is, summer internship at a law firm in Boston. He's a Harvard student. And 
oh, he goes home to marry a poor farm girl, bohemian farm girl that has a baby. And I think that his family would have, she felt there would probably would have been a lot of negative repercussions. And her character is such where she protects who she loves to the, to her own, even if it's to her own, for her own pain or whatever. We were talking about the relationships, like that they don't bring up his relationships with women. Oh, yeah. So you know what, Barbara, that's a really interesting point because he does say at the end when he says, okay, yes, she was definitely hardened by life, but she still had that passion. She still, when you looked in her eyes, you forgot the physical appearance of the hard labor that she was doing over the years had the impact on her, that she still had this life, this, I don't know, like the passion, the fire within her that he never met in anyone else. And it, mm. they could be attractive, they could be well-spoken, they could be intelligent, but that fire within her, that passion within her was just unmatched. And But in the going back to my question about was he married or not in the end, so in the beginning, the narrator speaks of his wife, and he doesn't say that he was divorced. He just said that she lived her own life, she had her own fortune, and Jim traveled a lot. That's right. Oh, I don't remember that. Yes. Her name is Jim. And the narrator didn't like her because oh, I totally forgot. That. That's right, <laughs> and that's it. That's why I forgot because it's such a non-event for him. It's like, wow, good, good. I totally forgot that. Incredible. And she lived her life, and she seemed like a very just whatever. I you know, it didn't seem like she was that intelligent. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, based on the people that she was hanging around, it seemed like a lot of artists, but they weren't really talented artists. <laughs> wow. And she seemed to be an activist because she was you know, in the picket, but she was in the picket line for... Yeah, I totally forgot about that because it does seem like he doesn't love anyone except Antonia the entire time, even though he's married. So I didn't, I didn't remember that. But you know what I was thinking, you know how people that are married forever, date forever, whatever, and they'll say, you know, if it's a loving long-term, I'm going to have 35 years of dating my husband, not married, dating, which is hilarious. He doesn't want to celebrate February 1st anymore because we've been married for 30 years. I'm like, but we were together five years before we're celebrating both. So anyways, this coming Monday, we're married or we're together, excuse me, 35 years. And wow, it's true that when you love somebody, you really only see them the way they were when you fell in love. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it is. He got there and like initially, yeah, of course, if you open your eyes first thing in the morning, you look at each other like, oh boy. but. And that's when he first got there, he saw that her teeth were missing, blah, blah, blah. And then it took like two seconds before he just only saw her because he loved her. And that's what love does. Love erases the lines of your face and the sagginess of your body. And and he just loved her so incredibly. And I think that ran through the entire book, the incredible love for each other. She loved him too. It was really neat. No, I agree. I mean, in the beginning of the book, when he changed the title of his notes from Antonia to my Antonia. Oh my gosh. That was, I was wondering. I was like, why is he calling her my Antonia? He got his wife, Ginger over here. I mean, who is that? <laughs> that is so true. I was like, who is Antonia? Like, I need to know who she is. And that was all the way through. <laughs> he claimed her all the way to the end. You know, when he said, mm-hmm. I will always have, if not her children, I will have her husband to talk to and hang out with. I will have Antonia. And so he literally became part of her family. And he said to her before he left, when they were what, she was 24 years old and he was 20. And he said to her that he would never forget her. I'll be back. Yeah. And, and when he said, I'll take you any way I can ha- get you, <laughs> however, in my life. And I think, yeah, yes, those 20 years when they were apart were really hard for him, especially because she was married, she had all these kids. Like, what was he going to do? Like, uh, hi, where do I fit into all of this? Yes. And, I loved at the end, it came full circle and he was a part of her life and she was a part, of, I was intimately a part of each other's lives. Like that was like, oh my gosh, love has no barriers. And there's a lot of different love stories. There's love stories of friendship. There's love stories of marriage. And it's neat that while we probably, I'm a romantic, while we secretly may have wanted them together at the end of the day, what was unique about the book was they had a love affair and it, it evolved as a friendship. And I love that. I love that a lot because I have a lot of friends that I love that clearly are in a different way, but I want to be in their lives forever. And you know what I loved when he came back and she talked about her father was always there. It didn't, I mean, it wasn't that she was happy he committed suicide, but she goes, the author goes into great detail of how the father is always there. And my dad 
is 82 and I talk to him every single day. I talk to my mom who's 80 every day. My dad FaceTimes me every morning. And as I'm listening to this book, I found like solace because, uh, you know, whether I like it or not, if things are normal, he's going to not be here in my lifetime. And I like the idea of knowing that it, it does matter. Don't get me wrong, but that I get to have him forever. Oh, it's, that's absolutely true. My father passed away in 2011. And it was a great message, right? It was a huge Yeah. I mean, I love it because it's, and it's true because I, my dad passed away in 2011 and I see him in my children. I see him, especially my son. My son was named after him. And my son is the jokester. Like he says these jokes and he does this hearty laugh at the end. And it reminds me, he doesn't have the deep, my dad had this deep resounding voice and he would laugh. It was just, just shook the room. But my son does the same thing when he tells a joke. He thinks it's the funniest joke in the world, just like his grandfather. And I look at my nephew who is, oh my goodness, almost a spitting image of his dad, of his grandfather. And he just has that quiet resolve and that quiet confidence with the crooked smile, just like his grandpa. So I, I do, I see that. And it's true. Like but the chess, you know, I play chess with my kids. My dad taught me chess. My son has a love for it, just like his grandpa. You know, my six-year-old is starting to get into it too. So it's just, this book, it, I mean, it did. It had a lot of awesome messages. And then I do want to go back to the friendship that Jim had. I think Antonia brought back everything wonderful about Jim's life. I think she represents for him. So whenever he goes back and he sees her, and I, I think it's like a, even after he left and he like looks at the landscape and he thinks about, he definitely makes a promise to her that I'm not going to take another 20 years to see you. I think the reason why we don't see his, his wife and his other children is because that part of him, I think he, he keeps it to himself. You know, my Antonia, this is his magical secret, I guess, that he could, something he could go back to after the hustle and bustle of being a lawyer and the city and, and all that, you know, not that it's not a, a thing that he doesn't want, but I think this is like his peace. You know, we have something that we want to go back to every once in a while to kind of reset. And I think that just might be his reset. I don't know what you ladies think. That's like, it. maybe it's like his going home. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think of how much, and Toby, you had mentioned this earlier. I believe you had said something about choice. How much choice do we really have? And, and how much are things possibly destined? So going back to the contrast that you were just talking about, Barbara, with his feeling at home in Nebraska versus his actual physical home in New York, we see in the very beginning that he had a passionless, uneventful, as Toby mentioned, relationship with his wife. And he had no children, but it didn't seem as if he, he was okay with having no children as well. Like he was probably away more than he was in New York, going back and forth with his business ventures in the West. And Antonia tried to leave. She went to Denver, even though she said to herself, I always saw myself as a country girl and living and dying on, you know, as a farm girl or whatever she says, something to that effect. But she still agreed to leave based on her quote unquote fiance asking her to meet him so they can get married in Denver. And what happens? <laughs> she ends up coming right back a few months later. What happens? She's living and dying on that farm that she had mentioned that she would do as a young woman. And so with Jim, as much as he loved her, as much as he wanted her, he still went away and became a lawyer and married someone else. It's just interesting. And of course, that allowed him to give so many young entrepreneurs opportunities, which they opened the book up speaking about. And he created so much development, which benefited the country. So was that his path all along and he had to sort of sacrifice that love? I don't know. So it's just interesting to think about. Yeah, I think there is destiny and then there's circumstances that alter destiny. And that's what life's all about, right? We talked all last season about omens. And I think one thing that there's a lot of teeny tiny characters in this, but we talk a lot about when you meet somebody and you don't realize the impact that they're going to have on you. And what I think is really neat about the whole story with Jim and with Antonia and all the characters is that we see them like dramatically sometimes impacting people's lives, but not really being there in their lives for very long. And it's just interesting to see that. And I know there's people in my life that 
have not been in my life that have given very long have given me huge life lessons. I'll never forget this. My daughter was in a big, big dance competition and she was runner up. I think it was like, you know, always a, a what's it called? A bridesmaid, never a maid of honor or something or never a bride. That's what it is. Always bride. And a girl and one of the parents, and I'm still friends with them, but the impact of this moment, she said, what if the other person needed to win more than Charlie? What if that's what we don't know? We don't know. And it's like all these little nuances. Yeah. I never forgot what solace that gave me because, and I wonder now, is my daughter more successful because of those losses, because of that frustration? Does she conduct herself in ways? And what was the impact of all those things that we don't realize have a purpose? And so you were talking about destiny. And and I think with destiny, there is things that happen to you that can alter your destiny. And those things, like if you're paying attention, make a difference. They really do. And I love how she has these characters. I mean, I can rifle off some of the names of the characters, but throughout the story, we have people that, right? If you look back and evaluate as the observer of reading the book, right? We're, we're not in the book, we're reading the book. We can see now that there's small characters that changed people's lives drastically. Yeah. And my point of that is we should in life slow down enough to listen and notice that we have these opportunities. And I really love that in the book. I really do. And you know what else? I liked it through Jim. Jim was so, when you think about during the time when they were uh, back in high school with their young adults and, and teenagers and the country girls were going to the dance pavilion and the city boys were not, they didn't see them as, I guess, marriage material. And I, to the point where I think one of this, someone had even mentioned to Jim, like, why do you always hang out with them? Because Jim was always with the more, you know, with Lena and with Antonia. But I think it's because Jim saw them for them. I think Jim saw past the class and the, that was there, the, the hierarchy and, or I can't date these girls from the country or I can't date these girls from that aren't Americans. Or, you know, I think he, the reader through Jim was able to see these characters, these people that he met, that they, who for who they were, he didn't see just a surface person. You know, he didn't see just that girl from the country or that housekeeper or that dressmaker. Like he saw individuals that had love and life and and dreams. And I think that's another thing that maybe the writer was trying to to impose on us that we walk through life and we don't really see people and look at people and think about them and empathize. You know what I mean? We're not sensitive to who they are and why they are what they are. And you know what I mean? And why they do what they do. And I think Jim was a perfect example of that. And the ladies, the women in there were very strong. And we were talking about it before we got on the podcast, but you just realized, and I was thinking they were all weak, but Jim, even though he kind of did the path that he was going to do, he did have an independent spirit compared to others, which you just pointed out. So he was similar to the female characters in that people would tell him, don't do this or don't do that or that's stupid or why are you friends? And he still also chose to be a little bit different than the rest of everybody. So I didn't think about that till just now, but you're right. All of the key characters were just a little left of center that showed that they had their distinctive ways and nothing was going to change the way they were. I like that a lot. So speaking of characters, who do you identify with most and why? Oh, deep sigh. <laughs> <What else>? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Initially, I would say Lena because she's a dressmaker. And of course you guys know, I am a fashion designer and he had this idea as a teenager, I'm going to have my own business. I'm going to provide for my mom. I'm going to, and she was an immigrant. My parents immigrated here from Jamaica. I was the last of my six siblings to be born in Jamaica. So, you know, I was here in this country I was 24 before I was able to be nationalized as a U.S. citizen. So I was up through my adulthood. And I, as a young adult, realized I wanted to be a fashion designer and had to pivot and figure that out. And it happened. And so initially I was like, oh yeah, Lena, definitely. But then I'm also mom of four. (laughs) I come from a very big family. I absolutely love nature. I want to have my own farm one day. And so then I was like, well, maybe it's Lee, it's Antonia. So I, 
I kept going back and forth between the two, like Antonia's passion and love of her land, of being outside, of family. Like, and I very much think I'm a city country girl, like in one body. And so I can't decide between two characters. I'm going to say half Lena, half Antonia. I'm going to take, I'm going to take a page out of your book, Nova. I'm going to do a half and half. <laughs> Can we do that? Well, I'm doing it. I just made it my new rule. <laughs> well, I love Jim and I see myself in him because Jim, I was 19 and I was like, when I was actually, when I was 18, I just knew I wasn't going to stay in New York. I love the hustle and bustle of New York, but I wanted more. I wanted to see more. I wanted to explore more. So that's why I joined the military because it wasn't just forgotten country, but it was also so that it would give me the opportunity to meet different people and to travel. And not only that was I like whenever I meet someone, I, and it drives my children crazy because I do this with strangers. I will just start talking to them. (laughs) And if there's something that they're doing that intrigues me, I really want to know, like, I will just out of the blue, like ask them questions and and really, or, or if I see someone that's sad and down, sometimes I feel compelled just to let them know, girl, it's going to be okay. I did that the other day. And my, my 16 year old was like, do you really have to do this? And I said, well, he looks sad. Our oh my God. He looks so happy. You know, I, I really wanted to let him know that it's honey, your shift is almost over. Oh my God. I would kill you. <laughs> Go home and take a bath. Oh my God. Yeah. It drives my kids. Like I said, it really, but you know, my mother did the same thing. So maybe that's where I got it from. But yeah, I do. I want to know. I love listening to people's stories. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are, where you came came from. I really just want to know about your life. And then with Antonia, I've gone through a lot of things in my life that have been the obstacles that I've been able to deal with and then move on from it. So yeah, I had the strength to do it. So, and I'm still doing it. So there it is. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. And I, I'm actually the same as you. I socialize with strangers too. And it really bothers my kids and my mother and everybody. But it's because we, it seems we probably all three are like that. Cause I said that people are that are different, but similar hang out together. So that's probably goes with that. I think I identify with Lena. I love being in the city. I love action and I love having my family and I would have had 12 more. So that's the only teeny tiny bit that I don't have with her. But the one thing that I do have with similar to Lena is, and I don't do it on purpose, I, I swear, but it's like, I pick a path that literally everyone's like, that is never going to happen, you know, or it's not, not wise. And then not only do I work really hard on that path, but it's like kind of the, I'm going to prove you wrong. Like with homeschooling my kids, their whole lives, everyone's like, are you crazy? You just graduated from college. You should have this big career. I'm like, no. And of course that I've shared with that before. I think that I was fairly successful and, you know, them growing up with, you know, straight A's and blah, 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 and getting into uh, Rutgers full rides. And, And that was me proving them wrong. And I've been doing that forever and I continue to do that. And it's weird. Like I don't necessarily say I'm going to do something that proves people wrong, but once I dig my heels in, and Lena was like that, people were telling her all the time, don't do that. Don't do that. And I think that the more they told her not to do it, it actually gave her strength. And I see myself in that. Yeah, I loved Lena's independent spirit. And I loved how confident she was as a young girl, you know, as a teenager. And how clear her vision was for her life. And she never wavered. She was like, nope, I lived a hard life. I know what married life is like. It's not for me. I don't want it. And... I want to do more and I want to get back. And when she was a young, you know, a young adult in her early twenties, beautiful woman, successful with her business. A lot of men wanted to marry her and she was like, nope, still not interested. And I know why. And she wasn't willing to compromise that. I just, I think a lot of people are like, okay, I have my money. I proved my point. My mom has nice things now. Okay. I'll find a companion to settle down with. And she stuck with that until she was till their older years in their at least all of them in their forties, mid to late forties, still single. <laughs> and but yeah, Tony, to your point, in terms of the family and children, Antonia represented that. And if that's what she knew she wanted a family. She knew she wanted to be married. She knew she wanted that life. She wanted to be on a farm. And she also didn't waver 
from that. To in the end, we saw that she didn't waver. She never gave up on that dream. I love it. Yeah. And I loved your point about Jim and his desire to see the world. And I love the fact that he was romantic. I loved how tender he was. And he wasn't chauvinistic or narcissistic. or He was a guy that every woman would want to be with as a man. And he was smart. He was kind. You know, he was willing to, even though he lived in New York and had this lavish lifestyle in New York, he was willing to sleep on the hay with Antonia's kids. And he still had that down to earth part of him that he never gave up. He was always true to who he was, regardless of where his life took him. And I love that about him. He was just a really good soul. And so, yeah, to your point about three birds of a feather, Toby, flock together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, the author definitely showcased that. So um, before we wrap it up, I'm just curious. This just came to me. Would you say what book that out of the books we've read in the past, would you compare this with in any way? Or would you, or remind you of a book in the past that we've read? Hmm. I will say, if I'm going to kick start off, is Memoirs of a Geisha, the book that we just read, I thought was extremely descriptive. We were taken to another world, the early mid-1900s in Japan, in this really secretive, exclusive world of geishas. And I thought the author did a magnificent job in how they described every detail of every room we were in, <laughs> every garment that these women were wearing every wrinkle or not color texture of each character's face. So I thought this author, Willa, did that as it related to the surroundings, as opposed to the people. I felt she did an amazing job of developing and showing us her love of how the her countryside, how her her community, her people grew and developed. And I thought that's where the richness was and lushness was within her her style of writing, where I felt with Memoirs of a Geisha, each character, it was all around the characters and their place within their surroundings, wherever the surroundings were. And it was just extremely vivid. And I felt that vividness was captured in their land on that time period. And so for me, there was a little bit of a contrast between those two books where I felt the I love the descriptiveness of nature and their outside versus I absolutely was marveled by how members of a geisha, how they brought those characters to life and off the page. Yeah, I agree with that. I was going to actually connect the dots with our show. We like to do what happens next. And I was thinking like, with memoirs of a geisha, because I half the time thought it was a true story, very similar to this. Is it true? Is it not true? It's because it, it could have been true. And I think you're right. It, it was very descriptive. But the whole time with memoirs of a geisha, I kept thinking like, what if she ran away with her sister? There was so many what ifs and what would have happened. And this whole time, the I love the contrast and, and the vividness, but it, you're right. It was of surroundings, like being in New York City or being in Denver on the train or being at the farm in Nebraska. And I, I think for me, I wanted to transition and say what I thought would happen next in that story if we were to also talk about the comparison. I had thought with Geisha that she would have moved to America and married. He would have married her, you know, his, what do you call that? Her Donna. Yeah, her Donna. I really thought that and it would be more like an, a legit thing. And I honestly thought before Antonia, if we could go, what would have happened? I thought they would have gotten together. The whole time I kept thinking, and maybe that's the romantic in me, they would have gotten together and they would have been together. And so, and then it would be so different. Her life would have been different. And and while you said that that doesn't, that's why they didn't get together was the, maybe the educational gap or just that she didn't want to hold him back. There are people that do get together that are very different and their lives they mesh and they tr- the trajectory changes. So I still had wished they got together. <laughs> that would have been incredible. Yes. Memoirs of a Geisha definitely had a lot of similarities um, to my Antonio, but that was not the first book that popped in my head. <laughs> the first book that popped in my head was Chanel. Just What was it? It was just the strength. The, the, yeah, you know, I thought the about that too. That Chanel... Yeah 
faced something or something came in front of her and she was able to plow through it. It's the same way that the women, not just my Antonia, just the, not my Antonia, I'm calling her that too. She's endearing to me as well. Not just Antonia, but the women in this book plowed through whatever came their way. That just the strength, the overall common denominating strength of the women was what struck me of the two books. I like that. Yeah, I like that too. I'll echo that. The, the, the women in this book, as we mentioned earlier, are, are inspiring based on their strength, no matter where they were in their life or what lifestyle they chose. And yeah, I would agree with my Chanel. I think that's a really good, a I good book there too. Bravo, Barbara. Yes. <laughs> Girls. To wrap up, what happens next? I feel like every book we've read to me has just been so effective. Like it's just affected, you know what I mean? Affected me in some form or fashion. And this book is, I will be reading it, (laughs) (laughs) but I definitely enjoyed this book. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. And just to give my thoughts on what happens next before we wrap up, I feel that in the end, Kuzak passes, passes away before Antonia. and. Jim and his wife dissolve their passionless relationship and they do end up together. All the kids are grown out of the house and they're on the porch in their old age, you know, enjoying themselves in that way. So that's my, that's my happy ending. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Oh, I, that's, you know what? That's the mark, girl. Yeah, I, that's too. what I want for them. I want him to just grow old and die with her back out West and just, just live his life looking out into the fields. Oh my gosh, that would be oh, excellent. Good one, Nova. A plus. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, thank you listeners for joining us for another episode of Tuesday's Book Club. We read My Antonia. It's a beautiful book. We do recommend actually getting the physical copy or finding a narrator of the audio version that suits you the best. And want to thank you again for joining us. We will be reading Girls Interrupted for our next book. So definitely go out and get that. And what else? Anything else, Lady, you want to say before we close it out? Be well and be safe. See you next time. Have a w- Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this is Tuesday's Book Club, exclusively on the Pink Kangaroo Network. Bye. 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 Bye.